So the fourth Sunday of Advent, we're doing the fourth animal mentioned in the, uh, the carol, The Friendly Beast. And you can obviously figure it out from here. From Alice Andrus has done a great job with this frontal. It's wonderful what she's done. So the first Sunday was donkey. The second was cow. The third was sheep. This is the dove. I said the dove from rafters high. I cooed him to sleep so he should not cry. We cooed him to sleep, my mate and I. I said the dove from the rafters high. Uh, several of you have mentioned to me in the course of these four weeks of Advent as we focus on the animals uh, that animals are not mentioned in any of the nativity stories. Well, that's kind of true. They're certainly there by implication. Uh, the shepherds were keeping watch over their flock by night. We're going to assume their flock were animals or sheep. You know, so the sheep are there by implication. That, and they're also in the window, so we know it's true if they're in the window <laughs> and if they're in the frontal. I mean, there you have it, evidence. Um, then, you know, that Christ, the, the infant was, was laid in a manger. Uh, you know, a manger was the, the feed trough for, for animals. So, I mean, if the manger is present, by implication, animals are going to be present. Um, I'm going to say they're there. When, uh, one, of the, one of the benefits, I'm going to say, of the Methodist appointment system is that often you're appointed to a church you wouldn't dream of going to if you had it on your own to choose. Uh, I was sent to Camden United Methodist in Preble County, I don't expect any of you to know where Camden is unless you went to Miami University because uh, you probably went through Camden on the way to Oxford, which is also a godforsaken place. Um, <laughs> you know, Camden was a village of about 1,500. Um, it, was, it was a rural village. The majority of, uh, of people in the church and in the village were, um, were farmers. We're farmers. Every, um, every Christmas season, the church would go out to Burdett Earhart's barn, and we would reenact the Christmas story in his barn. It, it, it was wonderful. And the, and the, in the hayloft, when we would do it with tableaus, in the hayloft, in one corner, Burdett would kind of clear it out, and, and we would have the angel Gabriel appearing to Mary. And then in another corner of the barn, Mary would walk, and there would be the elderly Elizabeth. And Mary and, and Elizabeth would have the, the visitation. Then we would leave the barn and go out into the fields where the shepherds were keeping watch over their flocks by night. The poor junior high Sunday school class had to stand out in the fields. And there, was, there would be a, you know, a, a, a fire going where they would keep warm. And then the little children had to be the angels. Those poor kids, you know, the coats and the leggings they had on under their wings. Um, and, then, and then we went back from the fields into the lower part of the barn um, to see Mary and Joseph and the babe 
where they were in a cow stall. And surrounding them were the other stalls. And there were sheep there, and there were donkeys, uh, and there were cows. And it was filthy. You know, it was mud, and there was straw mixed in, and there was manure. And there, in this really earthy setting, we gathered around and shivered and looked at the tableau of Mary and Joseph and the baby. And there were birds all over the place. Now, mainly sparrows and pigeons, but there were birds all over this place, swooping, swooping, and up in the rafters, twittering, you know, and chirping. And there might have been a dove up there from the rafters high, cooing. But if there was a manger, I'm going to say it was a cow stall, and it was very earthy and very mucky, and your shoes got dirty, and there were birds there. The dove in the rafters high. Birds are um, symbols in Christian art. Um, Peacocks are a symbol of immortality. The robin, legend has it, got its red breast to protect the infant child from a fire as they were fleeing to Egypt. The rooster is a symbol of new awakening, becoming aware of the light of Christ. And the dove is a symbol of peace, it's a symbol of purity, it's a symbol of the Holy Spirit. When Jesus was baptized, the scripture says the heavens were opened and the Holy Spirit, like a dove, descended upon Jesus and said, this is my beloved Son with whom I'm well pleased. The dove is a symbol of the heaven's opening, which is in itself is a way of saying the line between heaven and earth has been erased, and the two have become one. The dove becomes a symbol of the two becoming one. Heaven and earth are joined, as we will sing in numerous carols tonight. Human and divine, oh, no longer two, but one in Christ. Humanity and God are no longer divided. They become one through the Spirit. The two becoming one is kind of lover language, isn't it? I mean, we, we talk about in love, the two become one. And this is where I'm interested in the dove cooing, because cooing is the language of love, isn't it? You know, we coo to each other. Lovers don't yell, right? They're not sarcastic, right? 
they coo to each other. So cooing becomes the language of the two becoming one. It's the language of connection. And I think that's the gift that the dove gives, is the gift of connection. Connection is overcoming the alienation, the separation, the division that often happens in our world. The Greek word diabolical, evil, comes from the word um, to throw apart, to divide, to separate. Evil is that which divides us, separates us, alienates us. The language of love is the opposite of evil. It connects us and brings us together. There's a great temptation, probably throughout human history, but I think now, to be diabolical. To think in terms of division, to think dualistically, to think about how we are separate and divided. And it's so easy then, once we give in to dualistic thinking of dividing people, to be judgmental and judge people for not being like me. And so we separate ourselves in red and blue and Republican and Democrat and foreigner and citizen and rich and poor and male and female and black and white. And we go about this diabolical work of dividing rather than the cooing language of connection. And it's into such a world that Christ was born. In the Magnificat, which Mary sang about the birth of Christ, she sings about this division in the world, about the humble and the arrogant, the lowly and the proud, the poor and the rich, the weak and the powerful, and how there's this diabolical division between them. And there's judgment upon the lowly. And Mary sings that when heaven is opened and the two become one, things will be different. Now, the Magnificat has always kind of bothered me because you have the lowly and you have the exalted. You have the hungry and you have the fed. You have the empty and you have the full. And in the Magnificat, it's tempting to believe that, well, we're just going to have a reversal now. And those who are elevated will be low, lowly, and those who are hungry will be full. 
and it's just going to be a different person on top. And I think, well, how's that going to change anything? It's just the same story. But I think Mary's going at a deeper truth that the gift of God is connection. And the gift of God in this connection is where those who are elevated will relinquish what separates them from other people. It's good to see how the, how the hungry will be fed, how the empty will be filled, how the weak will gain strength. But how is this good news for the powerful and the lofty to relinquish what they have? I was listening to talk, sports talk radio this week, and they were talking about the elite football programs and the incredible pressure that's on the elite football programs, how they must maintain their power and all the links they have to go to to maintain their high status. And they said, the commentator said, it must be awful to be on the top, always protecting and defending what you have and always living in fear of losing that. So often those on top have to compare themselves to other to be better than, richer than, smarter than, more powerful than. And it leads to an insecurity that disconnects us and alienates us. The empty can be connected to be God because there's room for God. And maybe losing some power is a blessing because then there's emptiness and room for God. And maybe everybody can define themselves no longer in terms of what they have or what they don't have, but in terms of their connection to God. Has that been tried? I'm connected to God, and you're connected to God, and therefore we're connected to each other. You know, when we feel connected to someone, we tend to care for them better, don't we? When we don't feel connected, we don't have any reason to worry about forgiveness or mercy or sharing or caring. But when we are connected to someone, it's just common sense. Not caring for someone I'm connected to is as dumb as cutting myself. Why would I hurt my own body? Why would I hurt somebody I'm connected to?
I think Mary's singing about the joy of connection where we belong to each other because we know we belong to God. One writer has said, God made us one. Christ died to keep us one. And our sin is that we are always dividing what God has united. So how do we go about realizing this connection? Well, so often I try to realize my connection through my arrogance. I'm up here, you're down here. Well, if you get good and elevate yourself, if you become perfect like me, then we'll have a common ground. And I'll quit judging you. It doesn't work, does it? This is the point of the heavens being ripped apart and heaven coming to earth so that the two become one. And it's in an act of descension that the two become one. It's when we realize our brokenness that we hold in common that we become one and we feel connected and care for each other. We've had that experience all the time in our lives. You've lost your job. I've lost my job. We are connected in our brokenness. You have cancer, I have cancer. We are connected in our brokenness. And I always think about the muck in Burdett's barn that Jesus was born into. The sheer earthiness that Jesus found as his first home. Talk about broken. Heaven to earth came down. The nativity scene is the first scene of this union of heaven and earth in the muck and in our brokenness where Christ comes to us where we are. At the end of the uh, novel, Once and Future King, which is about King Arthur, Arthur is facing his last battle the next day, and the kingdom has, of Camelot has fallen apart, and he can't sleep, and he's trying to figure out what went wrong. And he's reviewing his life, and he's going over the lessons that Merlin taught him. And when, how Merlin taught him is he, he would change the young Arthur into an animal. And he would learn to see life from the view of that animal and, and uh, learn how, how an animal could teach a human being some things about life. So Merlin had changed him into an ant, and he learned about um, uh, industry and uh, 
Merlin had changed him into a badger, and for God's sake, I can't remember what he learned from the badger. And then, and then Arthur remembered that, that he had changed him into a bird. And he's thinking, what, what lesson did being a bird teach me that I didn't learn when I was a boy? What could the bird teach me now? And he, and he recalls being changed into a falcon and flying over the earth. And he, and he struggles to, to remember this. And it finally dawns on him as, he, as he's remembering flying over the earth. He said, there are no boundaries. There are no lines. The lines that we go to war over are imaginary. They're human-made. They're human constructs. Birds don't see the lines that divide countries and divide counties. Birds don't see the line that divides Indiana from Ohio. Birds don't see the lines that divide people into this dualism where we judge each other. Birds don't see the line between black and white, and they don't see the line between rich and poor. And Arthur says, that's it. If I get another chance, that's what I'll do. I'll erase the lines between people. So we'll quit judging and we'll quit going to war and we'll show each other mercy. And we know that we're part of each other. The birds don't see the lines that are so important to us. And the dove didn't see the line. And it gave the gift of connection. And it gave that gift of love. And God doesn't see the lines. And God gives that gift where the two become one and God becomes a spirit within us where we are reborn and transformed. And we give that gift of connection to others. When we realize we're connected, we become merciful and we become forgiving and we become healing. The gift of Christmas that the dove gives is so important, particularly now, to realize that there are no lines, that we are one. May it be so. Amen.